your Bibles now, if you would please, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. And we do welcome those that are visiting with us today. We're thankful you have joined us for worship. And now we've come to the centerpiece of our worship experience. And this is when we open the Word of God to hear God speak to us. And we do believe that this is the most important part of the service. Everything that we do on Sunday morning is worship to God. The prayers, the the singing that we do, bringing our offerings, that's all worship to God. But the most important part of worship is when we do what we're doing right now. And that is we open God's word to see what God has to say to us. Because I firmly believe, and the Bible teaches this, that the more that we know about Jesus Christ, the more that we will love him. I was speaking to one of our members a few weeks ago and we were discussing a friend who is a Christian who has never been too much concerned to learn more about scripture and about doctrine and this friend said and and I'm paraphrasing now he said as long as I love God and love my neighbor I'm okay and I don't really need to know any more details well I would dispute that and I think that the Bible disputes that kind of thinking because there is a purpose for this book that we have of a thousand pages or so and in this book we find the story of Jesus Christ we find all of the details about him and what God has done in this world and everything that we read in scripture is important and the way that this works is that the more that you know about Christ the more that you know him the more that you will love him you know I remember many years ago when my wife and I were dating that I was interested in finding out everything that I could know about her And um, this month we'll be celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary. And through all of those years, there has been no stone unturned in our relationship. Uh, She knows everything there is to know about me, and I know everything there is to know about her, notwithstanding that she still says, you don't understand me, and you still don't get it. (laughs) But it's it's not her that I don't understand. It's women in general that I don't understand. And uh, I, I, I still have that, e, uh, that Adam's syndrome, Eve, why did you do that? But I know my wife very well, and she knows me well. But you can imagine that if through all of these years that I said, Honey, I love you, but I don't really care to know anything about you. And she says, Well, I have something that I want to tell you. And I say, No, I, I love you. That's okay. I, I'm not really interested in what you have to say. Would that prove that I really love her? And that's like the Christian who says, I love Jesus Christ, but when God wants to speak to him through his word, he says, well, I I don't really need to know what you have to say. I'm not interested in that. I really don't care to know more about you. So my point here is that if I'm to love Christ the way that he wants me to love him, then I have to listen to him. I need to know more about him. And again, this is the way that it works. The more that you know about Christ, the more that you learn about him, the more that you love him. And also, the word of God teaches us how to love our neighbor. And that's not the subject of my sermon today. That's information I'm giving you for free. And this explains why that in every service, what we very carefully do is take the word of God and explain what it says. So if you'll look at the scriptures in Matthew chapter 12 this morning, we're going to hear the words of Christ and learn some things about what he wants us to know. Stand with me once again as we read God's word. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse number 33, Jesus says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. 
O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak... They shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Father, thank you for the reading of your word today. Give us understanding of what you'd have us to know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. On the past two Sunday mornings, we've taken some time to read these scriptures and examine these verses and this is part of a discourse that Jesus had with the Jewish leaders who had accused him of operating under the power of Satan. At this point it's evident that the scribes and the Pharisees were not going to turn to him. They were determined that they would destroy him and so in utter defiance of him they said that the works that he did were not the works of God but he was operating under the power of Satan. And Jesus told them that this is such a serious offense. He said, you have committed the unpardonable sin. And they were guilty of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And he said, this is a sin from which you cannot be forgiven. And if you're wondering about that, how is it possible for a person to commit a sin that God will not forgive? Well, you can go back and listen to the prior messages on this and you can learn a little bit about that. But the argument that's made in the verses that we're reading today is that the works of Jesus were good works. That he helped people, he was compassionate towards them, he brought them salvation. While in contrast, the Pharisees had never done anything but to put an unbearable burden upon the people. There was no salvation in what they taught. They were hypocrites, they were blasphemous. And that was the product of what was in their hearts. And to illustrate that, Jesus gives us a parable in these verses. And he compared his works and their works to the fruit of a tree. And he said, a good tree is one that bears good fruit. And a bad tree or corrupt tree is one that bears bad fruit. And the simple illustration that he gives us here is that the tree represents the heart. And that's what we talked about in the first message. That is, the tree represents the heart. And here we're not talking about the heart as the physical organ. We're not talking about the heart that pumps the blood, but rather this is speaking of the disposition of the person. It represents his feelings and his affections. It represents his rationale and his decision-making processes. And so it's the condition of the mind, and that condition of the mind affects all of the activities of his life. And if his heart is not right, then his actions will not be right. So that's the fruit of the tree. And looking at this, comparing it to Jesus, the fruit of his tree was good. That means that he had the heart of God, and theirs was evil. And the only conclusion you could draw from their actions is that they didn't know God, And, of course, they were not of God. So it's a very simple illustration that Jesus gives. And the fruit of the Lord's ministry was good. And so they must conclude that he was able to cast out demons, not by the power of Satan, but by the power of God. Now, in the 10th chapter of John, Jesus said this in another way. He said, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe me, believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. 
And so the point of this passage that we're reading is that there's nothing better that could be expected from these Pharisees. They weren't going to do anything other than to blaspheme God, and that's because their hearts were wrong. You can't get good fruit from a bad tree. And so they were never going to acknowledge that he was truly God unless there was a radical change that took place in their hearts. Now, as we read this, we've come across a very important point of theology. And if you want to know why we study the Bible diligently, it's so that we can understand our problem. It's so that we can understand what has to be done about that problem. And so in this, we have uncovered this great doctrine of Scripture, which is the theology of depravity. That's the natural condition of our heart. It is that we have no disposition towards God. We're born in a state of spiritual darkness. It's not sickness. It's not that we're weak. It's not that we need to be perked up just a little bit by positive thinking. But it's much more serious than that. The Bible says we are dead in our sins. We are depraved so that sin permeates every part of our being. Now, we're not as wicked as we could be, thank God for that. We could be a whole lot worse. But our wickedness, this depravity, affects every part of us through and through. So you never take comfort and say, well, I'm better than somebody else. I don't do all the things that that person does. Because when God looks at you, he sees that the best that you can possibly be is not good enough for him. There are no righteous works that you can do out of a heart that is evil. And so we have no real desire for God. We have no understanding of God. We don't have the capacity to understand Scripture or spiritual matters. And if we did, we'd never find a person that says, well, I think that I'm okay. If I just keep doing the things that I'm doing, if I do good things, then I'll be all right and I'll get to heaven. We would never say such a thing because we would understand what God says about the heart. That God says it is corrupt. And as far as those religious works are concerned, we have no works that we can do that God will accept. And we would also understand the consequences of depravity. God says we are condemned, we are doomed to spend an eternity in hell. But how many people really know that? How many people really understand that? You know, there, there are people that say, don't talk to me about hell. I don't want to hear about that. I don't believe that God could ever send a person to hell. And then there are others that say, well, I believe in hell, but there's no way that I'm going there. And still, there are others that agree with the terminology of hell, but they're not concerned about it. And the reason they're not concerned is this very fact. It's the depravity of their heart. They've been deceived. And so they will admit that there is a hell. They'll say that they believe it, but it's not real enough to them. It's not frightening enough to them that they would have second thoughts about whether something really needs to be done in their life. But there is good news in all of this. And we had a chance to talk about it last week. And that is the good news is your heart can be changed. It is possible that you can achieve spiritual understanding. And that's when God changes our hearts. And that's when God gives us a new heart. And that's when you can produce these things that will glorify God. And that change takes place when the Holy Spirit comes to you and regenerates you. And you express that in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. 
So there's good theology here. And it's, this is really one of the most fundamental doctrines that we have in the Bible. So last week we looked at the theological perspective of this. And this week we want to come back to the practical sense of what Jesus says here. And so we're going to get the practical application of the teaching. So number three, and this is where we'll spend our time today. And that is a very simple principle. Your tongue will tell on you. Your tongue will tell on you. Jesus says to the Pharisees in verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And then in verse 37 he says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now the statement that Jesus makes about words is an interesting point especially when we think about how much talk there is. When I preach a sermon, the word count usually comes out somewhere around 5,000 words. Now, it's said that the average man speaks about 25,000 words today, uh, uh, every day. And so this morning, I'm going to use up about 20% of my allotment for the day in about 40 minutes here. The average man speaks 25,000 words a day, but... The average woman speaks 30,000 words a day. You know, I was, I was speaking about my wife just a moment ago and being married now for almost 38 years, and I've learned the problem with most marriages, and that is that I speak my 25,000 words throughout the day, and she waits till I get home to use her 30,000. <laughs> but I do admit this, that, that she has some very good things to say. A couple of weeks ago, she saved me from saying something too hastily. She caused me to step back and to think about my actions. You know, sometimes I hear about things that are going on in the church, and I get upset that I want to speak too soon. And when I speak too soon, I could make the situation worse. And so listening sometimes to her wise counsel helps me and saves me from myself. So there's a lot of talk that goes on. People are always talking. And if you listen for very long, you'll soon discover the character of that person. Now I want to give you some observations from this passage that are just some very practical teachings that Jesus gives. In the last part of verse 34 and then in verse 35, Jesus says, For out of the abundance the mouth, uh, abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And you'll notice there the word abundance... In the original language, that word means the surplus. It means the excess. William Hendrickson points out that it means out of the overflow. So out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that the mouth is the release valve for the heart. You see, the heart is getting filled up. Our mind is getting filled up with all these different thoughts. It gets jam-packed with the things that we observe, with all of the things that we hear, the things that we read. And at some point, all of that that we're putting into us is going to spill out into our speech. Whenever I hear somebody say, well, I'm not afraid to speak my mind... Well, you know that usually that person has been stimulated by something. Something has made them reach the boiling point and they have to let it off. And the escape valve is the mouth. And you know very quickly what's upsetting that person. You know what's deep down. You know what's in their mind because it comes out in the speech. And if they say angry words, 
then you've just taken the temperature of that person's heart. And if those are ugly words, you know what that person has been stewing about. You know what they're thinking. Now, the other day, my wife was using a part of her 30,000 words, and she commented on someone, and she said, you know, that man is a very angry man. He's not a nice man. He's hateful. Well, how did she know that? She heard the person speak. She listened to the tone of his voice and she heard the gruff way that he talked and so she commented, he never has anything nice to say and her conclusion of what kind of person that was came from his speech and she determined there was something wrong with him because of the way that he talked. And so you can sit down with a person for five or ten minutes and you can tell what's on the inside because it comes out in the speech. And I'd encourage you this, if you want to learn something about somebody, stop talking yourself for a little while. And just listen to what they have to say. And you'll learn what's in that person's heart. And one of the first things that people learn about my wife is that she's not from these parts. I mean, they they listen to her and they pick up on this very, very quickly. She has a different accent. And there are people that love to hear the way that she speaks because they associate that with the friendliness of the South. And, And if you talk to her for very long, you'll find out that she is a very friendly person she doesn't snap at people you talk to her for five or ten minutes and you'll never be mistreated she'll say something nice to you she'll be friendly with you and do you know why she is or why she says things like this and why she's nice because that's when her what's in her heart what's in her heart begins to overflow in her speech and that tells on her Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And he goes on here to delineate the difference in people, that that all people that speak good things have a good heart, and those that speak evil things have an evil heart. And I want you to understand here that he's speaking on a much different level than whether you are just a friendly person or, or whether you have angry character. He's taking this down to a deeper level, to the person's mind, to the place that if he has something in his heart that, that shows that he uh, is, is something different from other people, that he has the mind of Christ in him, that it comes out into his speech, that you can tell what that person believes and who he is, who he follows by the things that he says. If he speaks well, it tells on his heart and if he speaks evil things it also tells on his heart and it says you do not have the spirit of God in you and so and conversely as we look at this the person that doesn't know Christ does not have the spirit of Christ in him and his speech tells on him and that's a truth that's taught many different places in scripture James said if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. The Apostle Paul also spoke of the depravity of the heart, and he had something to say about speech. In Romans chapter 3, he talked about evil people, and he said their throat is an open sepulcher, that's an open grave. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Why are people without Christ the way that they are? It's because they speak what is in their heart. The heart overflows and out of it comes deceit and cursing and bitterness. Now you take these words that Paul said and apply them to Matthew 12. Paul said the poison of asp is under their lips. An asp is a poisonous snake. 
And you notice what Jesus said about the Pharisees? O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? And the same thought is here, that they're like snakes. They have poisonous speech. Jesus said they have a devil. They said Jesus had a devil. They said he cast out demons by the power of Satan. He's like the dung god. And why did they say that? They said it because they had evil hearts and it spilled out into their speech. And you need to think about that. Because if you say that you're a Christian and and you have speech that is filled up with gossip, when you speak evil of other people, when your speech is slanderous, especially of other Christians, then you need to take heed to these words. James said, A fountain cannot send forth sweet water and bitter water at the same time. And that's just another way of saying that when your heart overflows into your speech, it's either going to reflect the sweetness of salvation in Christ, or it's going to reflect the bitterness of a spiritually dead heart. It can't be both. And so if you want to check up on your own salvation, listen to yourself for a while. Listen to what you have to say. Listen to what kind of speech you have. Play those back. And that will tell whether you really know Christ. Now notice a second observation here that Jesus teaches, and that is your treasure is your preferred collection. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. The word treasure there is an interesting one because it means the same as a storehouse, or it means like a box where you keep your stuff. And if you fill up that box, when it comes time to open it, what are you going to find there? You're going to find in the box the same things that you put in. You're not going to pull out something different than what you put in the box. And so your treasure is all of that stuff that you prefer to collect. And so what happens when you fill your mind up with dirty books and movies? What happens when you go to places that you ought not to go and you see things that you ought not to see? And what happens when you choose your friends among those that don't care anything about the Lord? Well, if you keep filling up the box with all of this junk, then when it comes time to open the box, junk is what you will retrieve out of your box. It's a very simple principle. I mean, what goes in is what comes out. And so you might be a Christian this morning, you're wondering, well, why is it that I have so much trouble? Why, why am I having so much difficulty sticking to the right path and doing the right thing? Why am I always falling off the wagon, so to speak? And what you might need to do is to check up and see what you're putting into the storehouse. What's going into your box? What's the treasure that you're collecting? And when you reach in there to find spiritual strength, you're not going to find any unless you have put in the right stuff. You're not going to get out anything but what you put in. And nobody should have any trouble figuring that out. Now let me take that back to the opening remarks uh, of the sermon. And there's always a purpose in the things that I say at the beginning. And I'm going to show you what it is. What about that Christian who says, don't give me the doctrine? I don't need to know anything more than what I know. So I'll keep going to a church that gives me the gospel light because it, it's less filling and it tastes great. I love that stuff. Well, what goes into the box is what you're going to get out. And so you put that into your treasure chest, then what are you going to have? Is it going to be real knowledge of Christ? Is it going to be real strength whenever your faith is tested? Is it real love for Christ that you'll be able to pull out of that box? Can you do that if you haven't put anything in? 
Let me, let me ask you to do this. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to show you what Paul has to say on this matter. And, and Paul was very interested about what kind of treasure that he put into his chest. And if you look at Philippians 3 verse 7 and the verses following, we're, we're breaking into Paul's thought a little bit here. And I wish I had time just to go with you through all of this because it would only prove my point in a better way. If we looked at the entirety of it, then you'd see it uh, in a much better way. But look at this beginning in verse number 7, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, what, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ... Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. Now we stop there for just a moment. You see, this is so far from just throwing a few feel-good statements about Christ into the box. I mean, this this is like the difference between East and West. What Paul is saying here is stuff me full of this. Stuff me full of this so there's nothing, there's no room for anything else. Nothing else counts. So he wasn't skimming this and trying to gather a little trinket here and there and then he counted that as his treasure. No, he's telling us nothing matters but this. Nothing matters but what I can learn about Christ. And he's encouraging us here to get all the information we can get, to get into scriptures, to dig it out, Because the knowledge of Christ is exceedingly excellent, what more can you want than this? And he goes on in verse number 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. So how are you going to know him? How are you going to associate yourself with his sufferings? How can you be made conformable to his death? If you say, oh, you know me. I'm just kind of ignorant of that kind of stuff. I'm a Christian. I love Christ, but don't bear me, bore me with the details. I've got my little trinkets in my box, and that's good enough for me. No matter how good of a Christian that you think that you are, you are not even going to get close to the level that Paul is speaking of here with the attitude, give me the least that I can get by with. And again, here's the converse of that. You keep filling up your box with all the good things of Christ, with all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge of him, and then what's going to come out of your mouth? What's going to flow out of that release valve when you filled up your treasure box, your heart, with all of the right things? Well, I can promise you this. What will come out is the love of Christ. I can promise you that it's holiness and righteousness. I can promise you that. And since you're right here in the book of Philippians now, just turn over one more chapter to chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9. And here Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So what is he saying? He's saying, fill up your mind, fill up your heart, fill up your treasure box 
with all the same stuff that Paul did. Those things that you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me do. Where are you going to get all that stuff? Do they have this at work? Do you go to work and get this? Is this on television? You turn on the TV and you can start filling up your box with all the good things that are on TV? Do you get it out of the newspaper? You already know the answer to this question. Where do you get it? You get it right here. You get it from God's word. And so, what about that Christian who who doesn't look at it this way? What about the Christian who says, well, well, let me keep going where I never hear the word of God preached and I'm not interested in hearing what God has to say? What good Christian has not put anything into his spiritual treasure box? See, he's going to get out what he puts in. If what he hears from the pulpit is weak and milky and all watered down, then you know what he's going to get out when he goes back to open the box? The very same things. You can't get out more than you put in. That's why we study the Bible at Berean. That's, that's why we get into God's Word and we look, what does God say about this? You know, I was thrilled a few weeks ago when I got a question in Sunday morning form class. And the question had more theology in it than most Christians have any idea about. Somebody said, conversion is the fruit of the prior regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. And that might not sound like much to you. But folks, that that statement is so rich in its implications that most Christians could never even articulate it. And you know why that person did? It's because he and we take time to study the Bible. And that's not... Not me, that's you. I mean, I can't give this to people that don't come. I can't give it to people that aren't interested in putting good doctrine into their treasure chest. I mean, that statement came out of this person's heart from his mind because it was the same thing that he put in. He was listening. And he had this excellent knowledge that had been put into his storehouse and that's what overflows into the speech. The question here is, what do you prefer to collect as your treasure? Whatever you desire to collect is the same thing that comes out when you open the box. Now, here's one last observation. If you look at verses 36 and 37, Jesus said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Thirdly today, no transformation equals no salvation. Now, I wish that all of you, everybody here, I wish that you'd attended our Wednesday evening Bible studies in 1 John because we looked at this problem from every conceivable angle. This is the message of 1 John. It's transformation by Christ that's shown by a demonstration in your life. So if you ask, how do you know that person is a Christian? Somebody says to you, how do you know that person isn't a Christian? What are you going to say? Well, I know he's a Christian because he parts his hair on the left. Well, that leaves me out. I don't have enough left to part. John Bunn, you're really in trouble, brother. Or I know he is a Christian because he lives in S section. Well, that leaves me out too. I can't afford to live in Roner Park. I mean, all of that stuff is just silly. We know the answer to this. I know that he's a Christian because he has demonstrated the life of Christ. He lives like Christ. He talks the right way. He treats people the right way. He loves other people. He keeps God's commandments. And there's the key to this. He keeps God's commandments. 
The demonstration of his life is what is in his heart, and he does this because his heart has been changed. Keeping commandments didn't save him. It never did save anybody. But once a person is saved, the life of Christ begins to show up. There's evidence, there's a transformation that has happened, and it shows up that he has salvation by what he does in things like keeping God's commandments. And if there is no demonstration, then there's no way that you could ever evaluate that person as a Christian. And do you understand that this is exactly what Jesus is saying here? What comes out of your heart is the indicator of what's there. By your words, you will be justified. And think a little bit deeper again. He's not saying if you're a Christian and if you confess that you're a Christian, that's enough. Now, we do have to confess it. We do have to say it. The Word of God says that. But think on a different level. He's speaking here of the summation of all your activities. It's the demonstration of what you have believed. Those actions will justify you or they will condemn you because they speak what is truly in your heart. James said, show me your works, your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You know why James could say that? It's because no one has ever shown their faith without a demonstration. Faith isn't something you can see. Faith's not tangible. The only way that you know a person has faith is the evidence of it by what that person does. There's a demonstration of it. And so what is in your heart is expressed by the mouth. All of your activities will either justify or condemn you. Your activities will say what you are. And you see, all of this is just reasonable deduction. There's only one way that you can show people that you have believed, and that is by what you do. So what do you need to do? Well, you really need to do more than just try to prove this to somebody else. You need to prove it to yourself. See what you put into your treasure box. See the things that you prefer to think about. See what you like to do. And see if you like to have God speak to you through his word. And if you examine that closely, you might have a hard time convincing me and a hard time convincing yourself and more importantly, a hard time convincing Christ that you really do love him. If everything that comes out of your treasure trove is a mess, you are in trouble because it will say that you don't really know Christ. Now, we need to pay attention to this because we're justified or condemned by this. There is accountability for what you say, and you're going to stand before God one day. Christians are going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, and that's the time that he's going to lay open, he's going to open up your box and see what's there, and he's going to examine everything that you put in. And then lost people who don't know Christ, you're going to stand before the judgment also, only a different judgment... And that's the white throne judgment. And I can promise you this, if you don't know Jesus Christ, when he looks into your box, there is nothing good there. There's nothing there but what will be destroyed. And that means your very own life also. So we need to think very carefully about this. You're going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment and the books will be open and every idle word, every useless no account word, every evil deed, every evil thought, everything that's in your heart will be judged and Christ will say, that's none of mine. I didn't put that there. So you need to be changed. You need to be transformed and only Christ can do that. You see what Jesus does is to take this wicked, depraved heart. And make no mistake about this, everybody here either has one or you had one. 
And what Jesus Christ does, he gives you a new heart. He swaps out the old heart in order that it can hold a good treasure rather than an evil one. Now, I hope that you've trusted him. I hope everybody in here today knows Christ as Savior. Examine your heart and see what's there. Good trees bear good fruit. Evil trees bear evil fruit. One final scripture. Just hear what the word of God says when he speaks. Ezekiel 36. He says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That means a heart that is receptive, a heart that can hear God speaking. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, this is God who does it. This is God's work to do this. And when he starts to work in your heart, what you need to do is to trust Christ as Savior. And when you do, you are transformed. And that's when God gives you the new heart. The new heart that's able to hold all of these good things of God and all of those things that eventually will spill out into your speech and your actions towards others. If you want to know Jesus better, if you want to love your neighbor better, then you have to listen to what God says to you. Be open to what God says to you and hear his voice when he speaks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look at these scriptures today in which Jesus has told us about the heart. We understand the problem that we have and now we now we see that very clearly that our hearts are we're born with an evil, depraved heart. We're no good, and what we need is for you to come into our lives and change that heart. And Lord, I just pray that if there's someone here today that has listened to this message and they understand now that the heart is no good and we can't do anything about it, we can't help ourselves, there's no way we can lift ourselves up, you have to do that for us. And I pray, Lord, that, that there would be someone here who would just cast all of their cares upon you. They would take all of these burdens that they're bearing the burden of sin the weight that they've not been able to get rid of and give that to you and trust you wholeheartedly as savior and lord pray lord that you would work with someone in that way today and then also i pray for christians that have been filling up their treasure box with all of the wrong things so they have difficulty living for you they have difficulty with the hardships of a Christian life and they get discouraged and down Lord I just pray that they would start to check up and see what have they been putting into their box and I pray Lord that they would switch that around and start to fill it up with the things of your word and and worship of you and obedience to you speak to the hearts of the saved and the lost today help us to apply the message that's been spoken through the words of Jesus Christ In Jesus' name we pray, amen.